Sarah, I started a Substack last spring, just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us from preschool to teen. This is the show where we help you feel better about the mom you are and share our own parenting tips and personal stories. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 80 of the Mom Hour. I'm Megan Francis here, as always, with Sarah Powers. And today we're talking about Bedtime routines, which I know is a big hot topic with listeners. Yeah, we've gotten several requests to talk about what bedtimes and evening routines look like in our families. And as usual, we're going to try to touch on all the various ages and stages. Um, Our kids are getting older. Um, And I thought it would be fun, Megan, to actually start with your teenagers and work our way back. Sometimes we do the opposite. But today we're going to start with the oldest because it's got to look really different having older kids. Um, Oh, yeah. We do have a new intro, by the way, which does not um, commit our children to any particular ages. If you're a regular listener, you know we used to say how old our kids were. And my youngest, Violet, um, took much offense to still being referred to as two years old in our intro. So we have a new intro. And Megan, for our new listeners, tell everybody how old your kids are. Well, I have to give you the funny backstory. So Sarah and I sit down together every single week and record, sometimes more than once a week. We knew this intro was old and we just like couldn't bring ourselves to change it. I don't like, it just became this big thing that we kept avoiding because it felt really momentous. And we wanted really good sound quality. And yeah. we had a little script that we were working on, which yeah. we would mess up and laugh. And we just um, never got ourselves, we just never got it together. So anyway, finally we did what we decided it'd be best if we just leave it <laughs> open-ended so that we don't have to re-record in a few months when like, you know, one of our kids turns another age or something. So right. my kids right now are 7, 11, 13, 17, and 19. All right. Well, let's um, kind of paint a picture for us about what um, bedtime slash evening routines look like, say for the oldest three, for your 13, 17, and 19. I assume they are staying up later than you a lot of nights. So not actually, that's not the case. Um, Okay. Not necessarily. The thing that I've learned about kids and their sleep is that as they sleep as babies, so shall they sleep. (laughs) as teenagers often. Um, Now that's, you know, that's obviously an exaggeration and it's not always like that. But like William was always the baby. He was the only, he was my third. He's 13 now. He was the only one of my kids, maybe, maybe of all of them who I could actually lay on his back in a crib when he was newborn. Like, you know how they say, Mm -hmm. like laying them down when they're awake, but not alert when they're getting sleepy. Drowsy, but awake. Yes, exactly. And he was the only one where I actually did that and he fell asleep. But I remember watching him like, what? And he was just a wee little thing because none of the other kids did that. Um, he was, he's always been a kid who he's regular in his habits mm-hmm. and he puts himself to bed. So he might like to stay up a little later, but he'll also get himself up in the morning with no trouble. And I really trust him on mm-hmm. his, um, 
his ideas about how much sleep he needs, I trust because I think yeah. he he's pretty in tune to that and it's important to him. If he's tired, it's, he goes to bed. It's interesting. I'm just realizing how certain kids are much better at listening to their body on all kinds of things, not just mm-hmm. sleep, hunger, food, yeah. and certain kids are not. And so it's not, it's not one size fits all when they say, I'm not tired or I'm not right. hungry or, you exactly. know, some yes. are just better. Yeah. Yep. So I've been comfortable with letting him stay up later than I would. And he also is the first kid up in the morning often. Mm-hmm. Um, because he gets to get the bus before anybody else, but he, he does it and he's alert and he's happy and he's, you know, doing well in school and all that. So all the signs are there that he's managing his sleep. Well, um, Isaac was one who was kind of a terrible sleeper when he was little. He was also a really hungry baby. He was huge Mm. and just hungry like all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I I don't know how much of that was really his natural sleeping, um, Mm -hmm. habits or whether it was just being a hungry, hungry little Mm -hmm. hippo. And then he kind of outgrew that. He is now very regular, but but I think he's just kind of enacted some discipline to make that happen. So okay. he puts himself – he goes to bed really early, sometimes kind of ridiculously early. And like then, what? Give us some – throw some times out here. Like sometimes he's – I don't even see him at night because he just comes <laughs> home and like I'll see him kind of – you know, by the time he gets home from whatever practice or after school thing he's got going on, I see him for 20 minutes and then he's gone and I'll say, where's Isaac? And everyone says, I think he went to bed. Um, but those are the nights when he might come out at midnight and like get a snack cause he okay. didn't eat dinner. I mean, he's, you know, and we're trying to let him, he doesn't do it all the time. So if it was yeah. every day, I'd be a little worried, but just now and then, otherwise yeah. he goes to bed like around eight. Okay. Most nights. And sometimes he sits up there and plays guitar for a little while or, you know, reads or whatever, but he's up in his room, uh, pretty much from after, like after dinner dishes are okay. done. He's, he's gone. Jacob is the one who he was an okay sleeper as a baby, also the only ba- baby who took a pacifier, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I think helped. Um, he was fine. I had no complaints. He napped regularly. He slept regularly. But he, now that I'm not necessarily structuring his sleep mm-hmm. for him, he can be very disorganized about it. So mm-hmm. he sometimes stays up all night, not even really meaning to, just just because he gets on a tear with something and doesn't go to sleep or doesn't recognize that he's tired. I think he's right. one of those kids who doesn't, know when he's hungry, doesn't know when he's tired, yeah. doesn't know when he's, you know, grumpy or whatever. So um, so those are the three who are managing themselves. Clara and Owen, who are 7 and 11, are still being told every night it's time for bed and sometimes there's a right. little fight. Um, yeah. And it's yeah, it's so much easier now with those – even with those – the thing they I have to remind them about is brushing their teeth. Yeah. I was – okay, so let's go into that a little bit. We're going to get to the kind of elementary schoolers in a minute. But with the – how much um, how much reminding and what kind of reminding are you doing for teenagers, including stuff like showers, teeth, homework, if there is any? Yeah. I I mean, homework is kind of its own thing. I try not to leave that for night anyway. Um, so they're doing that more after school. They're doing school. that more after school. And then – so the teenagers are have gotten really good with about – their hygiene for the most part. Mm-hmm. I do sometimes have to remind, like I'll come in the kitchen and be like, somebody just smells so bad. <laughs> I don't know who it is. That was more a thing during the summer and during sports seasons. Not yeah. as bad. Right now we don't have any kids playing sports, so it's not as big of a deal right this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but things like, yeah, I mean, it took a while. Like William, you know, he's 13 now. He is, like I said, really regulated. He gets up and he takes mm-hmm. a shower. He does it all in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really good about that. But it took a couple of years of, like, coaching. He didn't believe he mm-hmm. needed a shower for a long time or, you know, I think like 11, 12, like 11, 12, yeah. 10, 11, 12 is yeah. that age where kids really don't realize they're growing up and yeah. they need they need us to remind them, excuse me, that they yeah. need to take care of certain things. That was also the period when they would do things like, 
wash their hair only with conditioner for weeks at a time. And I'd be like, why does your hair look so greasy? I'd say, bring me whatever you've been washing your hair with. And they bring it to me and it would say conditioner. And I'd say, well, you see where it says conditioner? That means it's not shampoo. They're like, well, how am I supposed to know? I said, because if it was shampoo, it would say shampoo. And this no, no place does this say shampoo. So that's been a thing um, at that age range. Owen right now is like, he can still pass. He's not a particularly sweaty or smelly kid. Mm-hmm. And he can kind of get away with now not showering every single day or even every other day, which is actually worse in some ways because I haven't gotten him in that daily schedule yet because I haven't had mm-hmm. to. And I know it's it's like lurking. He yeah. just turned 11 this week. So, right. Or last week. It's like lurking around the corner at some yeah. point very soon. It's going to be like, oh, you're going to what happened? Him. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to smell it and then I'll know. And Claire just – I mean, Claire, I still do everything for her. She needs her hair to be brushed out twice a day. It's She's got beautiful long hair, but it gets very tangly. And she's got a toothbrush in our bathroom and one in her bathroom, the you know kids' bathroom upstairs, because yeah. otherwise sometimes stuff just never gets done. Yeah. Um, but I yeah, gonna... yeah, our, our routine has gotten a lot more laid back on my side. Yeah, lot, lots less needed from you. I was going to ask before we move on from the, the older teenagers, I was going to ask, have there been um, – are there little ways that you find to connect with them as part of, I mean, obviously with our little kids, we tuck them in or we read them yeah. a story or we, um, do you find that that also kind of changes over time or the, do you still pop in and say good night? Do they come to you to say good night? How, how is that sort of the connection part of it evolved? They're more likely to come to me to say good night. Mm-hmm. Um, but I often will just kind of pop my head in their, in their bedrooms at night and make sure I at least lay eyes on them and make sure that yeah. they're actually in the house um, and say hello. Sometimes I'll come in for a longer chat. Sometimes yeah. not. Um, I think we've all gotten better about checking in with each other instead of me having to direct it all. Yeah. And like often that. I'll still come in and like do a tuck in on the bigger kids or, or the littler kids or read a story. But more and more that stuff happens on the main floor of the house. Like more and more, I'm right. not going into their bedrooms to do that right. stuff. It's just kind of right. happening in the living room or in my bedroom and it's not really taking place upstairs. So right. I feel like that's become their lair, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, for better or for worse. Um, that's kind of how it's working out now. And it so. sounds like that's that's very much also a function of the structure of your house. We've talked, I mean, as we've talked about different routines before, yeah. you guys, your your bedroom is on the main floor and the kids are upstairs, which is different. Like for us, we're all, all bedrooms are upstairs. So, right. you know, it, it does yeah, just exactly. sort of change it the It is just, flow. right. Yeah. yeah. And in, in the bedroom or the upstairs is not always a super pleasant place to be. <laughs> right. It is very much the kid and we keep it, you know, as clean as possible, but it's just like not my space really. Yeah. So um, I'm much more likely to have them come to me. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. 
Listeners head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code themomhour 15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Well, let's um let's move down backwards in time a little bit too. So the kids I'm thinking about now are more where my older two are on up through your Owen. Although, as we just talked about, Owen is kind of transitioning into that tween you know, is. Oh. age, but is so we're ready? talking about Reed who's six, my Reed who is six, your Clara who is seven and my Allegra who is eight. So that this kind of like, I would call it younger elementary, middle elementary years. And this is, um, I mean, this is obviously a big part of my life, but it is a dance. They don't need as much tucking in and snuggling, um, as babies and toddlers and preschoolers. But like you said, with Clara, I'm glad you started to go there. Um, I think I was a little bit under the illusion that they would be more independent in like the personal grooming. Yeah, (laughs) they're not, not that I would have to (laughs) like not ask. I mean, I knew I'd have to ask and inspect, but I just still feel like I'm doing a lot of it. So let's stay with the bedtime stuff. Cause obviously that's where, what we're talking about. But, um, my Allegra takes showers and actually both, they both prefer showers every once in a while. They, one of them will decide to get in the bath with Violet and play, but for their functional bathing, they both prefer showers. Um, we, this is like confession time. My kids only shower or bathe twice a week. I always like to say that it's three times a week, but that's just me lying. They really don't. I mean, (laughs) In the summer, when we go to the beach a lot, the beach or the pool will prompt a shower just yeah. because the beach were filthy and the pool really does wreck their hair. I used to not yeah. care about that or I didn't have the headspace to care, but they're, um, the pool we swim in now, the chlorine is just so rough on their hair. So a beach or a pool in the summer will prompt more showers and washing of hair, but otherwise it's twice a week. It's, it's like Sundays and Thursdays for whatever reason. And I feel like that is not very much. I'm just coming right out and confessing. No, that's, that's exactly how much Clara showers. And and during the summer, exact same thing during the summer, it might be four or five times a week because chlorine or because of sand, um, and her hair gets wrecked. And so, um, but during the school year usually ends up being Sundays and Wednesdays. And I didn't really mean for it to be that it wasn't like I set out for that to be the thing. But it just so happened every Sunday night, I always had like a little extra time to give her yep. hair a good condition. And then 
and, and then it was kind of like the next day I go, well, she doesn't need one today. And the next day yeah. I'd be like, she doesn't need one today. And then it always was Wednesdays. So now for me to fit in another shower, I'd have to I throw agree. everything off. <laughs> I agree. So, and ours is Sunday, Thursday only because we have swim, um, uh, on okay. Thursdays. And yeah. so, um, I mean, I think it's okay. They're not getting that dirty. They're not doing anything this time. They're, they're not, not pu- really, they're not puberty sweaty. Right. Like, they're not stinky yet. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It, unless there's some kind of toileting problem going on right. or something like that. I, I just don't really, I don't, I don't, not that worried about it. Um, and Clara still needs me to come into the bath, which is interesting because she's super modest. She okay. needs me to come into the bathroom with her and help her because she freaks okay. out if she gets soap in her hair. Yeah. Like really freaks out or in her eyes, I mean. And she really needs her hair to be really well conditioned or it's yeah. terrible. So yeah. I am in there with her the whole, almost the whole time, like just actively managing her showers. Yeah. Um, she'll be like, why? You, you don't have to be here. And I'm like, well, you don't know how to get the water adjusted to your pleasure. So if I yeah. don't, she's in there whining the whole time or freaking out. You can't keep the soap out of your eyes and you can't condition your own hair or you can't rinse your own hair. So really, yeah. I do kind of have to be here helping. And that's, that's interesting. Cause Allegra is one year older and I would say she's like 60 to 75% independent. Um, and she's kind of inconsistent. I mean, for one, she'll take a really long time sometimes. And we're in a drought here in California. So I'm like, uh, got to speed things up. She is capable of doing a good job on her hair and she's got super thick hair. Um, but sometimes she's spacing out and I look at it. I'm like, uh, no, there's like a pile of conditioner on the top of your head and none of it is anywhere else. So I would say I'm active, but probably not as active as you are one year later. And Reed, Reed is, he just kind of goes with the flow. We just like put him in there and I do it all for him. I would like him to start to be a little more independent, but he, he's actually pretty easy. He's quick and efficient. Once he's in there, he lets you just like, (laughs) he doesn't want to play or anything. He just wants to get it over with. So, um, so that's the baths and showers part. And if anybody else out there has guilt that you're only bathing your kids a couple times a week, join us because we're choosing not to feel guilty. (laughs) I absolutely gave up on feeling guilty about that a long time ago. And honestly, Owen is, even Owen is still kind of on the cusp where like some weeks it's three times and some weeks he just skates. Like he's really, Owen is super great at never getting around to the thing I asked him to do. And he somehow manages to kind of fly under the radar. So I'll be like, oh, and get in the shower. And the next thing I know, it's an hour later. And he said he did it. And he walked away. And he had clothes in his hand. (laughs) But then I find out later, he he didn't go. And since I don't really have to monitor him in the shower, and his hair dries really fast, sometimes I have to say, did you actually get in the shower? And it's like, what? Oh, whoops. Whoops. So yeah, he gets very distracted by what he's got going on and is excellent at flying under the radar. So um, that is something where I'm just going to have to start doing the sniff test more often, I guess. And it will be, it will make itself apparent. It will, it will be very apparent. Um, well, okay. So moving on to other parts of the bedtime routine with this age group, um, we we're pretty structured about timing. Um, so the older two are eight and six and they both read independently. In other words, they don't need us to read aloud. Um, Reed was actually a really advanced reader. So he kind of got to the same place as Allegra, like before it just kind of happened overnight. Like he didn't read to himself and then he did at a pretty fluent level. And so they both have always have books that they're reading on their own. It's interesting. Allegra does like, still like to be read aloud to. So the way the bedtime kind of the dance works in our house is that I will, um, put Violet to bed and I'll read to her. Um, and then I'll pop over to Reed's room and he does not like to be read aloud to. Um, I would like it if he did. We still try to do reading aloud in our family during the day and other times. And he'll always come listen if a story is being read, but at night in his routine, he would prefer not to be read aloud to. So for him, I just pop in 
and say goodnight and um, make sure he's done all the things. Brian is, I, I should also pause to say, many years I did all this by myself. Brian was traveling a lot, but now he's home. So we're kind of doing this in tandem. So I'll oh, okay. pop over to Tuck Reed in and it's just like a kiss and a good night for the most part. And then I'll go to Allegra's room where she's probably been reading independently and she's been in bed for a while and then I'll get in bed and I'll read to her. So that's kind of nice. She really does still like to be read aloud to and I'll read aloud from whatever she's reading usually. Or sometimes we have a separate read aloud going the two of us that's different than what she's been reading herself. So that's kind of, it's kind of nice. It's just interesting. Some, you know, some kids don't care to be read aloud to and it's such a big part when you're putting to bed babies and toddlers and preschoolers. It's, you just feel like you're reading bedtime stories for years. And then all of a yeah. sudden, no one needs you to read to them. So how's Clara with that? Well, you know, I, I, I've shared this before on, I think on this podcast, that um, I've never been big at reading aloud at bedtime. Yeah, I think we have we were really touched on it. At yeah. When they were little, I would just be so exhausted that even, yeah. and then I always also felt like I needed to get the lights off and start, because my, none of my kids were great self-soothers and they weren't great at yeah. just putting themselves to sleep. So I felt like the faster I could get the light off and I would yeah. like, like lay between two kids or whatever and just start talking and I would make up stories. And that really worked really well for me because first of all, you can kind of make them a little bit boring yeah. <laughs> you know? and you start, they start to get kind of repetitive and the kids get, you know, they just kind of like, I think lulled the kids to sleep more mm-hmm. than anything else. And I could do it in the dark, you know, nursing a baby or, mm-hmm. um, with my eyes closed or as long, I could go as long as I wanted or as short as I wanted. And there was none of this, yeah. Hey, but you didn't read that page. Right. And uh, honestly, when the kids were really little, I just didn't have the emotional energy or mental energy at the end of the day for a fight over a book or right. just any of that. So I, I usually did um, reading aloud during the day back then. Yep. And I will say now, like we'll always have a book going. It's usually something Claire is mostly interested in. Owen will come in and listen mm-hmm. and gets kind of mad if, He's not invited to listen, but he'll never stay. Like he'll stay right. for a few pages and then kind of wander away. And right. unfortunately, everyone else is not interested anymore. Yeah. They all have yeah. their own books they're reading and they're they're all kind of doing their own thing. And um, we do, you know, books on tape sometimes, especially, yeah. I know, books on tape. That's like the most dated reference and I keep saying <laughs> it's okay. that. I know what you mean. Books on eight track. But, you know, we keep, we do have audio books that are part of, you know, family trips and like special yeah. weeks and weekends and, tra- and uh, vacations and stuff. But as a, as a whole, I feel like that's something that's really kind of Clara's domain now and really yeah. tends to happen more like after school. Right. Yeah. No, I, we, we have touched on that in other episodes that reading aloud is much more fluid. It does not have to be at bedtime at all. Yeah. And we should um, actually link, we should link to the um, episode, I, I think of the home hour I did with the read aloud revival. Because oh I yeah. Think we and talked a lot about that as well. Yep. So we can link to both of those. Yeah. Um, so what about, um, well, I wanted to touch on bedtimes actually for this group still, since we, we can say actual time. So my kids are, I kind of explained how it works, but Violet is usually lights out. I'm leaving her room at seven 30 still. Um, and the big kids who may be reading to themselves, um, Reed is one of those where he will listen to himself and just, and turn off the light. But if he doesn't eight would be the very latest I'd want him up. Um, and then Allegra, I've said eight 15, it, it really depends on what time she's been waking up. I've talked about my kids are all early risers. So mm-hmm. if she keeps popping out of her room at five forty-five six, I'm not okay with later than eight 15. She is, yeah. she will sometimes stay up late reading and she'll kind of sneak out. She loves to sneak out and tell us if she's finished a book. So sometimes we're watching TV downstairs and she'll be like, mom. And we're like, why are you <laughs> still awake? But it kind of ebbs and flows how strict I am. And it's a lot tied to um, how much she's sleeping in in the morning. 
Yeah. So if she's sleeping till seven or so, then I'm okay with a little bit later. I kind of look at roughly 10, like I'd love for her to get roughly 10 hours of sleep still at her age, but it's not like, it's not super strict. So by ideally by eight o'clock, I am done upstairs and she may still read for another 15 minutes, but in an ideal world, I am alone. Brian and I are adults in the house at eight o'clock, which is pretty early, I think for some families, but how about you guys? Um, so we we start the process around eight. Um, ideally, I like everyone in bed falling asleep by eight thirty, but often it's pushing nine because yeah. I'll you know sometimes let them read in bed a little longer or something like or talk a little bit or whatever. So um, I'm happy with nine as being sleepy time because my kids don't get up. Owen and Clara don't get up until about seven forty five. Right. Yeah. So, that's a huge yeah. difference. Yeah. Or eight even sometimes depends like who's getting them up in the. I am such a. I can. I have their morning routine down like so quick like so well like it's such a science that I yeah. will sometimes let them sleep until 750 or 755 so yeah um yeah so that's I feel like plenty of sleep as long as they're really asleep yeah at that time and I've also found sometimes if I send them up too early but I kind of leave it open-ended like and I will do mm-hmm. that sometimes if I just can't stand being around them anymore <laughs> which you know <laughs> it's like that moment where I'm like I just can't I just yes. need quiet I sometimes I'm like okay guys we're gonna go to bed super early tonight but that means you get to read in bed or whatever for as long as you want and not as long as you want, but for a lot yeah. longer. But then I have to go up there and I feel like sometimes if they've just had this open ended, like they can just read for an hour, then they want yeah. to keep going. Whereas if yeah. it's more like 20 minutes, then it's done. Yep. It's done. So yep. yeah. No, sometimes I, you have I to like enough. limit the amount of time they have to do stuff or it just it's, never ends. It's kind of like in the morning when we did our episode about morning yeah. routines, it's the same thing. If you have this like two hour, window things drag on. Whereas if you, like you said, let them sleep, if they'll sleep in and then just get up and do everything at once, it's almost easier. Um, so what about, um, I know at this ages that calling out or one more glass of water or I, I like Allegra is famous for like mom, my left toe itches. Like, so have your kids done the thing where they come out of their room or call out for you after they're supposed to be in bed in these younger years? Uh, yeah, totally. I think, is there any parent whose kid hasn't done that? Right. <laughs> like, exactly. It's yeah, normal guys. It's normal. Absolutely. So yeah, it's totally normal. Um, I feel like it's, it's like you're training them. Sometimes yeah. you're training them every single night for like, <laughs> for your whole life kind of feels like, <laughs> yes. um, and then by the time you think you finally got it, they've moved on to another stage anyway. So yes. yeah, of course. I mean, they'll still do that now. And there's those nights when I think everyone's in bed and like I've, I've nailed it and I settle in with my glass of wine and my TV show or whatever. And then those are the nights I hear a little voice and Clara yep. comes, you know, creeping down the stairs and pokes her head and it's like, mom, can I sleep with you tonight? No, no. no. You've asked me that, you know, 50 times and I say no every time. Um, but it's, it, there's that, there's just that little like pushing back and I, I don't always know it's going to happen. It's not like it's always the night when she's grumpier or right. more energetic. Right. It's totally random. And so, yeah, it happens all the time. And yeah, I just say, happens. I'm yeah, very firm it, and I'm just like, I love you. Give me a hug and kiss. Good night. Yep. I agree. I think like consistency, I, I mean, in my more tired, you guys know I'm, I am a morning person. So for me, anything after 8 PM, not that I'm asleep, but I'm just not wanting to be a human in the same way that people who don't like to be a human before, you know, 7 AM. Right. Like that's me. I just, once I feel done, I feel done. So I have had to kind of work on like my annoyance level. And it's just, it's like you said, it's part of the drill. It's right. normal. If I need to set limits so that they do it less then I can do that. But I feel like my like exasperation level sometimes is, um, 
like greater than it needs to be. And Brian and I like take turns going up the stairs and it's so funny the things that they, sometimes my kids will say they had a bad dream, but they've only been in there for like 10 minutes. Oh yeah. Well, technically let me tell you how dreams work. Exactly. Let me tell you about the type of sleep you have to be in before that can even happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that totally happens. And so the other thing is, um, I also have the irritation and what I've, what I've started to do is like figured out how to channel my irritation into this really almost like syrupy sweet like a like a Mary Poppins yeah like kind of firm voice and I'm like nope you can't come down now it's time for bed and I just do it and I don't argue and I don't I won't like entertain reasons it's just like nope it's time for bed um now Owen I shouldn't call Owen out like this but let me just say there's been some there's been some issues with people not wanting to use the upstairs bathroom because there is a window in it Mm, okay um and a big mirror, which I think mm. freaks some people out in my house. Yes. And so there have been certain children who like to come downstairs to use the downstairs bathroom. And sometimes mm. that can become a stalling technique. Like they yes. come down more than once in an hour. And I know it's just a way, it's like an excuse to come down. I just yeah. say absolutely nothing. I don't even say yeah. a word. They walk, they'll walk right. right in front of me, go use the bathroom, walk back on the way up the stairs. I'm like, good night, love you. And then, so they kind of know I'm not going to engage with yeah, them. Yeah, you're not engaging. Yeah, this is just a... Uh, uh, you know, potty stop and that's it. So yeah, we are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Sarah, we're welcoming our sponsor, Element. That's spelled L-M-N-T, a zero sugar electrolyte drink that leans on current science about what our bodies really need in order to deliver the most effective hydration possible. You know, Sarah, Eric is really into keeping up with health research, and he's been insisting to me for years that we actually need more salt to stay hydrated. Turns out Element agrees because they've developed their product based on a growing body of research that shows that for optimal health outcomes, we actually need to be taking in sodium levels at two to three times government recommendations. That's a big difference. Yeah, it really is, Megan. And, you know, electrolyte deficiency or imbalances can cause headaches, cramps, fatigue, brain fog, and weakness. I know I can feel really rotten when I'm dehydrated. And also, I don't love the taste of plain water, so I'm not that great about drinking it. Element makes a huge difference in how much I'm enjoying my hydration and in how I feel, and it's super easy to fit it into my daily routine. My favorite flavor of Element is the grapefruit, but if that's not for you, we're going to get you set up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite Element flavor. 
Plus, Element has a no-questions-asked refund policy. You don't even have to send the product back to get your refund. Yeah, you can receive a free Element sample pack containing one packet of eight flavors. So you'll get eight total packets free with any order when you purchase through our custom URL. That's drinkelement.com slash momhour, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership, and it's available for both new and returning customers. To get that offer, again, go to drinkelement.com slash momhour. I think um, when the stalling, because sometimes I feel like the stalling starts after you've maybe had a little reprieve from like, whatever, sleep training or sleep issues, things get kind of like pretty organized and routine for a while. And then this more big kid, like clever stalling, I feel like can kick in. And you almost have to think back to like the baby years, which we're going to move on to in a second. And just think of like, how structured do I need to make this um, bedtime routine? All of the boxes are checked off and therefore they have no good excuse for calling out. So if that means water, you know, we keep water bottles by our kids' beds and usually wash them out, rinse them out and give them a good wash every, I don't know, handful of days. But otherwise they just stay there for a few nights. It's just clean water. So they have water there. I make sure the water's filled. Everybody uses the bathroom before they go in there. You know, what else? Like the temperature's right. Like, so I feel like I do a lot of checking in and checking the boxes before saying goodnight. And, you know, it just takes, it's sort of like they school you into knowing what you have to do, which, which things to head off at the pass. And then I I do feel like that does help because if it's going to the bathroom, you know, well, we clearly need to go to the bathroom sooner in the evening or have less to drink or something. So you're sort of always adjusting the amount of structure needed in the routine to, to, you know, minimize that baloney. And, and, and you're also getting wise. Sometimes it takes a little while to get wise to a kid who suddenly seems like they're a little smarter than they were yes. or scared <laughs> of everything all of a sudden. Yes. Or- yeah. That kind of, yeah, exactly. So there's stuff like that. It changes. It just changes and changes and changes. And the things that are, you know, like I thought I finally had everyone going to bed at a decent time and I had it all under control. And then my oldest teenager started like lurking around the house in the middle of the right. night. And would scare me sometimes because yes. there's this, you know, man walking around my house. So it always, it's always changing. There's always flux. Yeah. I think when you're living with other humans, there's always going to be something weird about their sleep that you're not going to like, or it's going to be yeah. alarming to you. So the more humans, the crazier it is. Yep, exactly. That's so funny. Okay. Well, um, we're going to finish obviously talking about the littlest people and their bedtime routines. Real quick before we do that, um, I just wanted to ask a favor of our listeners. Um, I would love to get our Facebook page over. We're approaching kind of a big milestone in the number of likes, and we've been hovering below that milestone for a while. If you're on Facebook and haven't liked us, it does help. It's not the only way to interact with us, um, but it helps in lots of different ways, and we love to see you on there. And um, I would love to boost our – it's just purely a selfish request. I would love to boost our Facebook um, page likes numbers, um, over this holiday season and into the new year. So make it's Sarah just happy. Facebook. Everyone make her day, What's a, make Sarah know, happy, make me happy. Like it's so me. easy. It's just, a so simple... we're just the mom hour on Facebook. Yeah. And, um, so many of you are on there and it's so fun to see you and interact with you there. But if you're not, and you're a Facebook user or an occasional Facebooker, just give us a like, I would love it. I'll link to that page in the show notes. Um, but it's easy to find us anyway. So all right. Okay. So now you get in your time machine, Megan. This yeah. is when you go travel back in time. Oh, I don't remember any of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Am okay, I supposed well, to be having some kind of flashback right now? Because I've blocked it. 
Yes, it's not. It is not there. But you survived. You I lived, did survive. So you're living survive. proof. Um, so I'm thinking of many, many of our listeners who have like a newborn and a toddler situation. Um, and I think that some of the ones who've emailed us about this also have like traveling or working spouses. So you also are not, you know, you're also on your own at bedtime. So I do have a few kind of tips for this other than our usual. Yeah, please. Um, I think that you you were so much better at being organized with all this and getting it down and all that stuff. And I... Well, you're better at being laid back. So we, <laughs> right. we, we each have our each strengths, other. but I think you should give the actual tips and then I'll okay. weigh in with why I didn't do that and how it was still okay. turned out okay. Perfect. I love it. Um, well, it's just, number one, it's just hard. It's hard with a fussy baby. Um, if you have other little ones like toddlers and preschoolers, and then you have a baby who wants to be held all the time, that can be really hard. Um, I did a lot of baby wearing in the evening, including sometimes having a baby take like a five thirty nap on mm. me, which would then get into, that's more of like the dinner time deal. But, um, or I would also go through phases where I would put a baby to bed for the night at like six o'clock. And I, I would know these are my babies didn't really sleep through the night anyway. So I knew that baby was going to be maybe hungrier earlier at one o'clock instead of making it till closer to morning. But it was worth it to me to have their bedtime be absurdly early, like six o'clock so that I could then focus on the others. So that's just, that's and you, just, you've always been early risers too. Yes. So yeah. like a, a bedtime like that would have killed me because right. I was not getting up. Nobody was getting up that, you know, they would, it would have ended up happening is they would have ended up getting up in the middle of the night probably or something weird like that. So yeah. Yeah. No. And, and same thing with my not really enjoying the late evenings. I'd rather that baby take, call it a nap from six to, you know, whatever PM. And at least I kind of had that break in the evening for me. Um, one thing I was going to say about toddlers and preschoolers is sometimes just like moving to another part of the house or doing, having a different set of activities or play that you do anytime from after dinner to bedtime can be a really good way to just like cue everybody that the winding down is coming. And I think it's helpful for adults too. We used to, we've always had houses where obviously kitchen is downstairs and bedrooms are upstairs. So we would sometimes take the whole, I'd take everybody upstairs pretty much right after dinner. And I think it also helped me. I didn't have dishes to look at. I wasn't trying to multitask with the rest of the house and we might do a bath. I mean, early, you know, even an hour before bedtime so that it just felt like we were moving into this general bedtime phase. Um, and I think that also helps not trying to cram it all into, you know, a 30 minute routine. One of the hard parts I think is if you've had your first baby and they're regular, like relatively structured in their bedtime, the next baby is going to throw everything off, right? Because you just can't, you can't, and that can be depending on how much you like structure, like I do, or your kid likes structure, that can be a little bit, um, hard to adjust to. And depending if there's two kids, if they're, if they're, sleep patterns line up at all. Um, I was, you know, it's easy for me to look back now and say, Oh, I was lucky. All of my kids slept in, but was it that I was lucky that they all happened to be exactly the same or were they just picking up from me that that was kind of the way our family slept, stay up a little bit later and sleep in a little bit later. I think that I was never a night. I was always a night person and not a morning person at that time. So um, although that's changing a little bit. That's definitely how I was. Probably some of it was because I was so young. I mean, I probably still had like an adolescence brain in a lot of ways. And so I was kind of on that college, like, you know, stay up till midnight and burn the midnight oil thing and then sleep until nine or 10. But you did what worked for you, which is lesson number one. And your, your kids got 
they had their own version of a routine and structure because it was around like your own rhythms. So yeah. I think that's actually really good for, um, a few episodes ago. Remember we answered that, um, listeners question who works a graveyard shift and yeah. like co-sleeps with her baby because she's not home at night, like whatever, whatever works with you, your family has its own version of structure and routine. So yes. mine probably looked more like what the books will tell you, but yeah. that's not that, that isn't better or worse. It's just what, what are, and so I think you probably had as much rhythm in your oh, little yeah, family yeah. in those yeah. early years. There was definitely rhythm. I, I wasn't super structured about it, but they're definitely like, we all knew, you know, the, the night was winding down and depending on whether right. I had a toddler and an infant or like a toddler, a preschooler and an infant all at once. Um, cause there was a point where I had all three or I had a kindergartner, yeah. uh, a toddler and an infant. And that was, that was probably the most challenging, except that that kindergartner happened to be Will who would put right. himself to bed. So yeah. um, I always kind of managed to skate. And I came up with all kinds of workarounds just to make it easier. Like sometimes I had kids sleep in the same bedroom, even though we had an extra bedroom yeah. that they could have yeah. been in because it was easier for me to sit, you know, rock one baby well, kind of like kind of like talking the toddler down and then just put that baby right in their bed yeah. when they were done. Or like, you know, have – or sometimes I would have like one kid. I often had a baby at least in my bed at night. So right. sometimes bedtime routine really all happened in my bed and then we would just move kids out yep. as needed. And so I just found a lot of like survival workaround kind yep. of kind of tips, I guess. Um, yeah. Do what you got to do. I will also say one thing I really worried about when my kids were really little is because they did stay up late and sleep in late. Mm -hmm. I thought it would be really hard to adjust to a school schedule and it really has not been. I'm, yeah. I, I feel like – you know, and I know there's like some, there is a lot of controversy over whether it makes sense for littler kids to get up later while older kids get up earlier. And I understand why that is the case, but in, you know, I understand why that controversy exists, but in our family, it's actually been really nice to be able to go from the, you know, preschooler who kind of gets up whenever or at yeah. nine to only really having to get up a little before eight. And then yeah. gradually they get up a little Getting earlier, and a little earlier. So yeah. Yeah, that's worked for us. I mean, I understand why the argument is that it shouldn't be that way, but right. it kind of helped us ease in. Right, right. Um, well, we talked about, I did make a note to give yourself a break on reading aloud. Whatever you think you're supposed to do, um, just give yourself a break. We And you touched on that earlier. Yeah. And we'll link, we'll link to some other conversations we've had about that. But just some other options, like you said, um, just like a long cuddle in the dark, music, singing, like whatever feels the, like the easiest thing for you to do with your brain. It's so funny that you say that making up stories felt easier for you because that would, I would rather do a million other things than make up stories. <laughs> well, they were I, terrible I, stories. I'm, Let's just be honest. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure I've said this on this show, but I can, um, read aloud and think about something else entirely. I, I mean, I don't know if everyone can do that or if everyone can do it well, but I, I just like plug in my reading aloud and my brain can completely like go to sleep and I just read. So to me, that's a way bigger brain break than making up a story. It's just funny. Right. And, and for me, it was like, I would totally go on autopilot and just open my mouth and words would come out and the kids were, <laughs> you know, kind of interested, I guess, or yeah. not whatever. But, um, but at least it was me engaging with them. And I, there's so many times you can read to your kids. You can have a whole day, yeah. an opportunity yeah. to do that. It does not have to be at night if that's not working for you for whatever reason. For me, it was really the light. The light was what yeah. killed it. So, so yeah. So give yourself, give yourself a break on reading aloud. Um, I did a lot of baths talking about how my kids don't bathe very much. Now when Brian was traveling a lot, I feel like I used bath time as like with the older two who were like maybe three and five, 
um, or two and four, I felt like I at least knew where they were. So I would put them in the bath and they required supervision, but they weren't a slippery newborn. You weren't having to hold them up the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So I would, I could nurse Violet just sitting there in the bathroom with them, or I would putter around just right in the hallway, getting their pajamas ready. So bath was not, not like a to-do list. It was actually helped me out. Yeah. No, I remember very clearly when baths were like a a survival thing for me every day. It was like, you're going in the bath and I'm going to sit here. And like, sometimes I would just rest. Like sometimes it'd be like, I'm just going to sit here and sit on the toilet and look at my phone or shut my eyes for a few minutes or whatever it was. Um, like a, a chance for them to be contained and happy. Yep. They were always really happy in the bath. And yep. so it was just, it was like a really nice part of our day that helped cue them. But also, like you said, it really helped me. Like, so yes, that's another one exactly. that I think is great. Um, yeah. What about kids who, we did actually answer a whole listener question one time about co-sleeping and we've shared our different experiences. So without going into too much detail there, you've had kids who wanted you there with them while they fell asleep, right? Yep. I've yes. never really had that except for infants, you know, infants, I would nurse or rock them to sleep. But after like nine months or a year, that wasn't, my kids weren't asking me to stay with them while they fell asleep, but yours were right. Was there? Um, Not always. I mean, first of all, I was still night nursing pretty late with, with my kids. So they were more like, you know, two before they were, you know, not nursing or at least nursing at bedtime, but sometimes still nursing to sleep. So that was part of it. Um, I could, by the time they got old enough to kind of understand, I could say something like, all right, I'm going to lay you down and then mommy's going to go clean up the kitchen and I'll be back. And often that I'll be back was sort of nebulous. And so, yes, I was back, you know, two hours later. Um, but they, that depends on the kids. Some kids were great about being like, okay. And they would fall asleep and others would come out and find me. Um, and so that very, that very much varied when it was the kid who really wouldn't sleep. And I'm thinking in particular of, of one of them who would not mm-hmm. sleep unless I was next to them. I just kind of rearranged my nights around that. And it was okay. I mean, looking back, I probably could have been more proactive from an earlier age with that kid, but I hadn't had that same experience with his brothers. Right. So I didn't expect it. And yeah. then by the time I kind of figured out what was happening, I was sort of entrenched. And, and then I knew that, then I knew that the, um, that the, the light, you know, at the other end of the tunnel was coming because he was getting bigger and it wouldn't be yeah. forever. So I just decided to kind of bear it down, yeah. just ride it out. And it wasn't that big of a deal. I would lay in bed and read my Kindle or yeah. well, maybe I didn't even have a Kindle by that age, but I would lay in bed and read or listen to something, some music yeah. or whatever. And it wasn't the end of the world. Having a reason to lay down at the end of the night. Yeah. And not do chores is not the end of the world. It is <laughs> not. Thing I will say. I, I just kind of learned to embrace it, I guess. Well, and all I was going to say on that is I think I would echo what we said in that episode, and I will link to it um, with the listener who asked about co-sleeping, which is that if things are working for everyone in your house, don't fix what ain't broken. Yes, <laughs> like, exactly. If, like, don't don't let outside forces start to let you question what you're doing. If everyone, and I do mean everyone, the child, the partner, the marriage, the spouse, if it is working for this season of life, it's not broken and you don't need to fix it. I mean, I can say that without even knowing most people's sleep routines, but the other side of that, that I do feel pretty strongly about is when, when it's causing stress on you, when it's putting a lot of pressure on mom to always be that one, or if it's, messing with your routine and you're ready to have some of your evening back. I do think there are ways, gentle, loving ways to help kids through those transitions. And we've talked about it in other ways, but it's, 
it's almost always more doable than you think. It just yeah. seems like, oh my gosh, they're never going to be able to fall asleep without me. And I have, I have friends who's, you know, three, four, five, six year olds still want them to lie down and fall asleep with them. And that's great if that's part of the bonding and that's what they want. But if you're ready for a change, there is, there is change available to you. That's just, I think I feel really strongly that people know that it doesn't have to be this way if it's not working for you. That, and I will also say that even with a very young, close sleeping baby, um, it doesn't always have to be mom. You know, yes. dads are very capable. Yeah. And so if that's something that two of you choose to do together, don't feel like that then necessarily needs to be all on you. Right. Because right. I mean, either you're working. So if you're putting a baby to sleep, that doesn't mean like you're checked out. So the other partner is free to like ignore the dirty dishes in the kitchen yeah. and watch yeah. TV. I mean, it's your parenting. And then the other person I feel, you know, could be doing or should be doing their part in whatever way yeah. that looks like. And sometimes yeah. maybe they'd want to be the one to come in and take the little one and let you have a break. And so that, yeah. you know, win-win, but. And what works for a while can all of a sudden not be working anymore. And that's true of all kinds of different routines. And we say that over and over again on this show, but being open to change, including your own definition of what's working. And sometimes you don't realize it and you're like, gosh, this, I'm so irritated with bedtime right now. Right. And then it's time Comes to be out like, of okay, well, like, what? what's, yeah. what's not working that could be changed. So yeah. I think that's our, that's our good message to wrap up on. But, yeah. um, this was fun. And, um, I'm sure there's lots more we could say on bedtime routines. We'd love to hear from listeners. Um, you can comment right on the show notes, which are at themomhour.com. This is episode 80 or shoot us an email. Hello at themomhour.com or come find us on social media. Tell us what, tell us what evenings look like in your house. Please do. Awesome. Thanks everybody. Mom Hour is brought to you by The Essential Calendar. Sarah, this is our favorite calendar for busy moms because its beautiful and simple design shows around three months at a time. Yeah, and with summer fast approaching, now is a great time to get The Essential Calendar and see what I've been raving about all these years. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere. Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.